welcome to episode 660 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm ready to do some podcasting. Uh, I didn't mention it on After Dark because, you know, After Dark uh, is recorded before this. But I got a new monitor for uh, my office computer. I still am an old who lives, who does not have a laptop. Right. Uh, I have an old school desktop PC. And the monitor that I had was uh, from 2005. Oh, so it was a big blocky one, right? It was a big blocky one. The one that I got is, uh, it's like a 22 inch monitor. Right. And it weighs like as it's as light as a feather, <laughs> right? And the one that I had before was like a fifteen-inch monitor, yep. And it probably weighs about fifty pounds, right? Um, so one's the monitor, and the other one's the anti-monitor. Better not get have like Crisis on Infinite Earths over there. Would it be the now? I'm trying to think of a better analogy. I get where you're going with the comic book reference, right? I just wanted to work a monitor anti-monitor right. reference in. I don't know how to dispose of something so old, you know? Um, let me get it. I could dispose of it. The right. uh, Cinnabon has a dumpster. But if you put it in the middle, they'll never notice. Okay. Right, so. I, I do that a lot where uh, it's things that aren't supposed to be going with the normal trash or the normal recycling. I just make sure that it's not on the top. Yep. Yeah. But you don't want it on the bottom either because the dumpsters do the flip thing. You know yeah. what I mean? So then when they dump it in the truck, if somebody's like, you know, if something happens, they have to go up and dislodge something. It's like, oh, there's a, an electronic monitor in there. So I know what I'm doing. Don't you worry. I have faith in you, Todd. Yes. Just like I have faith in you to tell us what's on the show this week. Right. That's right. In news, something that's going to make uh, the show shorter when we do previewing the past in 30 years, Joe. Um, and various, like, all jumbled together, various collections and variant covers news. Um, conventions, what we read last week, which was both uh, Nightwing 104 and Green Arrow number two. What we're looking forward to this week, um, Todd and Joe have issues where we reread Sandman. We'll be reading Sandman 41, 42, uh, the beginning of Brief Lives. And I don't believe we have any TV or movie talk yet. Soon, though, right? Maybe. Right. So things are going to be picking up here as uh, Into the Spider-Verse uh, 2. It's, it's you know, it's I, I think the first one was, I don't know, it's Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse 2 is coming out this weekend. Yeah, a right? Spider-Man um, movie is coming out. A, an animated Spider-Man feature is coming out this weekend, and I'm very excited for it. Yeah, definitely going this weekend, then? Yes. We are going Saturday night-ish. Okay. Saturday night-ish. Uh, too many commitments the rest of the time. Uh, so, yeah, Saturday night, baby. If, Beetlejuice baby Saturday night. If only you had a long weekend. Well, the problem is <laughs> I could certainly take my kid to go see it, right? but my wife wants to go see it, too. You know? But she'll be too busy slinging shoes. That's right. Shoe slinger, and then you could be the web slinger. It works out great. Mm. Make a shoe out of webs or web out of <laughs> shoes or something. I'm working on it. Yep. Workshop that, like you said. Yeah. I'll get with the writers. <laughs> All right. So, as Todd mentioned, uh, it was announced uh, this past week after our show went live last week that Image uh, is now going to be uh, exclusive with Lunar Distribution. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they're no longer going to be through uh, Diamond. They are still going to use Diamond for like bookstores and stuff. Um, but for direct market, your local comic book store, online retailers, and so forth, uh, all image books are going to be through Lunar. Right. That's a big one. Um, now, that starts um, in, as of this recording in two weeks is when that starts, um, which I think is like the three-year anniversary of all of this happening with DC, you know? Right. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so like now that like that only like they, they Dark Horse is on the way out, right? Dark Horse is there, but I don't think anything like I think Dark Horse does more business through bookstores and their own sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so it's so tough to say. So Dark Horse is still primarily through Diamond. Mm-hmm. But the outside of that, like, um, you know, Diamond still has IDW. Right. Diamond still has Boom. Diamond still has Dynamite, and Diamond still has Dark Horse. Right, and they're Valiant's one book a month. Valiant's one book a month. And then a lot of the other smaller publishers, your green section of the previous catalog, are, are both. Right. Um, and I, when I do, you know, my, my weekly list and everything, I, I will see if you use certain books. Uh, I, I will see that come up um, a week earlier through Lunar than they do mm-hmm. through Diamond. Yeah, which like um, you know muddies the waters occasionally, gets things yes. confusing. But uh, I don't know. I I mean, I'm not going to be the one who's going to say this is going to put the death na- like you know the the nail last nail in the coffin of uh, uh, diamond and previews because they got a lot of merchandise. You know what I mean? And you know you got to fill your shelves with stuff other than Marvel and DC and Image at comic shops. But man, oh man, that's another big market share just to lose. You know? Yep. Absolutely. And for it to be happening so quickly. um, So, okay. So, and I said it's going to be taking place in two weeks, but it's two weeks solicitations when the September solicitations come out. Mm -hmm. And September is the first month of image books that are going to be exclusively through Lunar. Right. Because the previews already came out for next month and there's image in there. Right. So, yeah. So it gets a bit uh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. It's a big deal. I, I think so, too. And I, I think it sets a bad precedent. I mean, other than, like, we always say the minor companies need to, like, you know, stand together. You know what I mean? Because they, they can't afford to have their own distributors and stuff like that. But, like, you know, Marvel and, and DC and, and Image now. Um, I'm just worried that I'm going to need, like, 17 places to, like, per- peruse for my comics in, like, two years. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to get so confusing just to order for olds like us, you know? I don't need that, Joe. Well, you know, and we're not there yet on previewing the past, but we are going to get there. Um, you know, back in, I think it was like 95 when Marvel tried to do their own thing separately through Heroes World. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Diamond then start trying to pick up a bunch of other people so that they would be exclusive so they wouldn't jump. And then you forget that there was a third party that came in called Capital City, not yep. from The Simpsons, <laughs> right. that started to try to chip away at both of those. And within two years, everyone was just back at Diamond anyway. 
Right. Though I could see this because I don't see Diamond, Image, and Marvel going back to previews. Like other than as we always just, we said already, like bookstores stuff, whatever. But like to direct comic shops, I could see. I don't see previews getting people back. I see uh, Lunar and stuff like that poaching more of Diamond stuff. That's the way I see this going. That it's a a death of a thousand cuts. So do you think that this is like if DC jumping and starting their own deal with Lunar three years ago, um, a lot of the other smaller publishers going both and now image image is a big hit. Is this the big hit? What does, what does diamond do? What can diamond do? Um, the only thing I could think of like, cause like diamond and like, I think like Mike Sterling was talking about this kind of stuff, like what they have left, like their market share, like, you know, on toys and stuff like that, because lunar doesn't have any of the, the figures and stuff like that. If you want toys in your shop, that's maybe the way to go. Obviously try to lock down, uh, the bigger small comic companies and get exclusives, but maybe it's just the comic book, uh, the, the, the adjacent stuff like figures and toys and whatever, you know, all the stuff in the back of the previews and try to like, you know, get your foothold there to sell to retailers. It's the only right. thing I can come up with. I'm not a business major, man. Right. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to talk to our local retailer about this, but I know when I get a chance to pick up my books this week, I'm going to ask him what his thoughts and feelings on it. You know, obviously, right. someone who is on the ground in regards to these sort of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the other things, of course, we're talking about the books that are coming out, and that's what this, you know, show is mostly about with the news. Um, Marvel just recently announced. Now, first of all, I didn't even know. Marvel was doing this sort of thing with the foil variants on stuff. Right. Um, You know, typically when I look at a Marvel variant cover, I'm looking for specific artists and I'm looking to see at the ones that aren't at a higher price point. Marvel apparently has foil variants on stuff that are at a higher price point. And it looks as though the price point on those are going up and the discount to retailers on them is going away. Oh, okay. Um, now there, it's it's a re, it's real weird and hit and miss on how they're doing it. Whereas you know, and listen, I, uh, everybody's in the business to make money, right? Mm-hmm. The cover price on a comic book that you go and pay for a physical book isn't what your retailer pays for it, right? Right. Um, but let's just say if a comic book is four dollars, your retailer is probably paying like two two fifty for that comic book, so they make a profit, right? And of these foil variant covers, the retailers are either getting no difference in the price or less than 20% of a discount, depending on the book and property and so forth. Right, right. So I would assume that would probably lead some retailers not to even bother with these books. Yeah, like I said, depending on, you know, how much... If they're, what do you call it, like, obviously 50, when I say 50-50 variants, because they're going to be more expensive, but, like, they, they're made to order. If it's like, uh, you're like, oh, my God, they have a, a Thunderbolt foil cover, and I really want it, you know what I mean, because it looks cool, you can order it, but to just have them sitting around 
on their table or shelves ready to go for for customers. Yeah, like why would you why would you buy more of the more expensive thing with the lo- with the less discount than I you know I could fill my racks like because space is at a premium in comic shops. So I exactly. But you know I've I've noticed a lot more foil comics. Uh, more on that maybe later in the show from me. But anyway, go ahead. Right. Now, you know, and obviously we talk, and it's not just Marvel, of course, and DC with Lunar Distribution getting the big pickup for Image, uh, but DC just recently canceled a variant they were doing for the upcoming Night Terrors crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, they were doing something inspired, I guess, right? Um, where it was a, you know, Todd mentioned like a 50-50, which is you don't even split, or like you get retail variants that are like 1 in 10, 1 in 25, 1 in 50, you know, the that's how many the retailer needs to order to get one copy of that specific variant. Um, for Night Terror's First Blood, DC emphasis on was, was doing a 1 in 666 tiered variant. Ooh, I'm scared. Um, and, you know, because of how many issues of the comic people were having to order and people had their orders in. Uh, I don't think the final order cutoff is just yet, but the book is about five weeks from coming out. So it's super, super close. So just this past week, DC canceled that variant. I wonder if it was because people boycotted because it had the bad number of 666, or if people weren't going to buy 666 copies of Night Terrors. That's closer to what I'm thinking it was. I don't know. Maybe it's the other one. No, I'm with you. It's the it's the no. This isn't Spawn number one. Remember when that went crazy yeah. recently? Like, you know, that's a, a, a book that maybe people could move, but I don't see people clamoring for the one in 666 Night Terrors comic. There'll be somebody always. There'll be a sucker, you know, but I don't know. Right. So I, I, I guess an ambitious thought by DC, but also good on them for pulling the plug on this. Yeah. Once they saw, probably saw that the orders were like, I'm sure, it, you know, it's a number one, it's a summer crossover and so forth. But to expect multiple stores to order, you know, o- almost 700 copies of this mm-hmm. in this day and age was, uh, you know, maybe a little too ambitious. Right. Uh, one other thing that DC just did in the uh, naughty pile, I guess you would say. So we talked many times both on this show and on previewing the past in regards to the trade paperback collecting hardcover sort of thing of both companies specifically for DC, where there was a time where they would release a book um, and it would come out at the same time where you had your pick to get either the hardcover or the soft cover at the trade, right? Right. Then they more or less went to you. The hardcover comes out first, and then the soft cover, the trade comes out. And then if it's a big enough property or whatever, then you'll get like the oversized hardcover that's collecting more. And then even further still, you'll get the absolute or omnibus edition. DC, it's an absolute, right? Mm-hmm. So one of the things many, 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 many moons ago that had me go and purchase my first ever digital comics was when Marvel was doing the books, the book Rebels, um, you know, spinoff of the Legion of Superheroes stuff. That would be DC, not Marvel. DC, my apologies. Thank you. Um, DC is doing this book. 
Um, I was behind on it in single issues, so I just started getting it in trades. And then when the final trade came, was solicited to come out, they just canceled it. Never to be re-solicited again, right? right? So I had to see how the story ended. Single issues were scarce because it wasn't a very highly ordered book, which is more than likely the reason the trade paperback was canceled. So I'm reading digital comics, right? Mm-hmm. So I think uh, the Joker is a little bit higher end property than uh, Rebels, right? Than I would Brady agree. Five, yeah. I would agree. Uh, so DC is doing their typical thing. The single issues come out. You get your hardcover. Then you get your trade. Well, the trade was supposed to come out at the end of the summer for volume two of the recent James Tinian Joker saga. And they canceled the trade paperback of it. It was going to be collected in three trade paperbacks and three hardcovers. The first two hardcovers are out. The first trade paperback is out. And now the second trade paperback is being canceled. So mm-hmm. now, if you were a trade waiter on this book, you're going to have a, a, a soft cover and a hard cover, or you're going to have to go and buy the hard cover and the hard cover so that you don't have massive OC, massive crippling OCD. Right. This is, I know, yours. Uh, do you have anything you would like to add before I kind of give my... I wonder if this is going to be DC's new collecting process going forward. That it's going to be a more hardcover format and less a softcover format. I would think that, but I think especially because it's... Somebody upper went like, uh, just stick to the hardcovers with Joker first. You know what I mean? Like, and Batman to a lesser extent, maybe. I don't know. Um, maybe, like, it, this won't be the way they roll out Superman stuff. I don't know. But uh, it's just weird. It always, like, it's just, like, don't mess with the, the that and the trade dress. Two things. I'll, like, just keep going on the order that you're going. And I understand if sales drop off on large super runs, maybe. But don't just stop uh, trading and trade them different ways. And mess with the trade dress, because that bothers the heck out of me, too. I can't imagine that a Joker collection of new stories was under-ordered on the Mm -hmm. trade, that they had to cancel it. This seems like a bigger deal at hand. Right, right. I don't know. It's just, it's beyond me. That's above your pay grade. Yeah, not when we run DC someday, Joe. And that's the thing. This is something I have all in single issues anyway, so this doesn't affect me. But whenever any of the major companies, as Todd mentioned, screw with the way that a book is being collected midstream, it it just really irks me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And last but not least in our news, and again, just it's a passing mention. Um, as many of you know, the writer's strike is still going on. A lot of shows, TV shows, web shows, however you watch your shows, um, you know, obviously stuff that was already filmed and in the can is already done and ready to go. A lot of weekly stuff, a lot of more serialized stuff has been put on delay, but Marvel films for Thunderbolts and Wonder Man are currently delayed because of the writer's strike. Right. Now, does that going to mean that's going to cause their placement on the schedule to move? Probably. Mm-hmm. Depending on how long the writer's strike goes for, 
But this is, I think, the first... Because there was a writer's strike that happened pre-Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it didn't affect anything there. Obviously, the pandemic, of course, affected things uh, that they are just now, with the release of Marvel's uh, Captain Marvel 2 this November, finally getting caught up on of kind of refixing the schedule. And now they have to worry about, you know, right now, only two movies and where they're going to fit into the uh, the the schedule. Yeah, um, the last time we had a writer's strike, I just looked up, I remember it was around Transformers Dark Side of the Moon, I think. Okay. That was 2011, so... Okay, so that was during the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I guess it didn't affect things, you know? As much, you know, because, uh, you know, but what it does is, like, you have to work with what you have. You can't do any rewrites during the stuff, so... Uh, it, it kind of like makes the sh- things weaker when you're like, ah, this isn't working. Let's rewrite. Like, ah, oh, we gotta stick with what we got. So we'll see. But I'm interested because, like you said, it'll push. It'll probably push these shows back. Then the movies will probably get pushed back that aren't already in pre-production because can't you can't have any writers writing them. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. We'll see. But I did hear like they're like, oh, what if like. Disney Plus, because they own ABC, is like, all right, we'll ride this strike out and just, you know what? Season one of Mandalorian on ABC. Like, we have a whole Muppet show, like 10 weeks of a Muppet show that we could just lay out there um, to milk on for the advertisers. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, they have stuff in the can that, that, that they sell that they could give away for free on TV. I don't know. I think this is going to be a while either way. That's just the only opinion I have. You think? Yeah, I think this one's going to be a, a knockdown drag out. Well, let's hope not. Let's hope everyone gets back to work and, you know, the the the, the writers get what they're looking for in this whole thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's really all you could hope for in that regard. But um, I guess it's going to free some folks up if they're not working on new shows. Maybe it'll give them an opportunity. Ooh, there's that word again. Uh, to hit the convention circuit, because this is a uh, busy weekend for the convention circuit. Uh, we've got conventions all over the United States. Uh, we've got the uh, Nashville Comic Con in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Butch Patrick uh, is going to be there. Chuck Norris making a rare convention appearance, mm-hmm. uh, as well as from the world of sports and entertainment, Sergeant Slaughter and tugboat right i think i do need something notarized so i might go to this uh con yes yes uh the des moines comic-con in des moines iowa uh phil hester is going to be there uh world famous voice actor tom kenny is going to be there uh and world wrestling entertainment hall of famers kevin nash and sean waltman are going to be there Sean Waltman, world famous uh, handshaker. That's right. That's right. I don't, and it's not disrespectful, Joe. It's not disrespectful. I'm I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Uh, we have the Minnesota Con in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, James O'Barr, Dan Jurgens are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the comic book side of things, Freddie Stroma is going to be there. You would know him better as Vigilante from the Peacemaker TV show. Yep. Uh, we have from the world of sports and entertainment, uh, Julia Hart and Rikishi are going to be there. Right. The great Michael Rooker is going to be there. And while 
Uh, James Gunn is going to be too busy, of course, making the new Superman movie. His two brothers are going to be at this convention, Sean and Billy. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we've got two biggies going on on different coasts. Uh, West Coast, we've got Phoenix Fan Fusion. Uh, we are a uh, filled up with a glut of comic book folks. Uh, Adam Kubert, Alan Davis, Brett Breeding, Dan DiDio, David Finch, J. Michael Straczynski, Jim Lee, Kevin Nolan, Mark Wade, Rags Morales, Todd Knock, Tom King, and Yannick Piquette. Uh, I would want, and I hope they could coordinate this sort of thing, a Dan DiDio, Mark Wade-like photo opportunity. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, buddy. Ugh. Um, also on the media guest side, um, Chris Eccleson is going to be there. Is his first name Chris? Christopher, yes. I call him Chris. It's shorthand, you know? Right, you know him personally. I know him personally. Um... Paul Bettany is going to be there. Stephen Amell is going to be there. William Shatner is going to be there. Uh, Grant Gustin is going to be there. And the great Tom Cavanaugh is going to be there. Get that twofer picture. Yep. Um, we, I, well, I, what I would do is um, I would want them to do like a, a time-lapse photography thing with me and Tom Cavanaugh where he dre- dresses up as different wells as is 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 so yes. it looks as though like oh joe went and got his picture taken with like six different wells is is right the council of wells um yes. i would want either australian apocalypse wells or sherlock wells yes those are the two <laughs> best ones um, and then on in our neck of the woods, Fan Expo Philly. Uh, I know some people say that these Fan Expo conventions are uh, <laughs> lost leaders, except for the Orlando one. But I don't know. This one looks pretty stacked, right? Yep. Uh, Joe Casada, Dan Slott, Frank Cho, Jim Shooter, uh, JG Jones. Is JG Jones like Philly based? Yes. Because I think he's at, like, every Philly con in the world, you know? Yep, that's the only one he really does. Yeah. Because he lives there, you know what I mean? Uh, Tony Harris is going to be there. And then in uh, multiple photo opportunities, you've got Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, and Tom Wilson for your Back to the Future itch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Raimi is going to be there. Uh, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio are going to be there to get a dare a Daredevil uh, photo opportunity. You know, right? Uh, Peter Weller, uh, world famous RoboCop, is going to be there. I don't know how Stephen Amell is going to do two conventions in one weekend, but he was on the show. Uh, he was on the list for both conventions. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry Winkler is going to be there. And okay. so you can get your berry peppercorn mark photo. Yep. The day I found out Fonzie wasn't magic was the worst day of my life. And uh, Tom Welling, Michael Rosenbaum, and uh, uh, Kristen Keurig are going to be there. The Smallville cast photo. I'm pretty sure we're almost a f- only a few months away from a full cast reunion, too. You Joe. think so? Have you have you been looking at Allison Max parole hearings and um it says that in 2000 or in 2021 on September 13th she began her 3 year sentence oh. so she's been good you know you never time know. off for good behavior sure she'll mm-hmm. go right back out of the I'm sure uh it would definitely not be a problem for be her to be around young impressionable folks 
Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> as long as you don't give her a lighter, she'll be fine. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so the links to all of these conventions, of course, are going to be in the show notes uh, that accompany this episode, uh, as long as as well as information about soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com anytime any of the shows in the soon to be named network go live you could find them there whether it be this show that you're listening to here Longbox heroes after dark final wrestling place puzzle warriors three profane arguments wings on wings we need wrestling at odds with wrestling a uh, couple shows on hiatus couple shows are boutique shows like No Chance at Helmet. We never got our XFL Helmet show. Maybe next season, if there is another season. Hey, you never know. They might do special helmets for this season. Oh, that's they haven't true. announced yet. They'll have to grade them against the greatest helmet ever, you know? That's true. And anytime anyone from the network shows up on another show, of course, it does appear there as well. Uh, I will be uh, making a return appearance to Between the Sheets next week. Um, my piece of the show is already in the can. I think it's going to be a lean two and a half hours, just the segment that I was on. <laughs> and then you have the rest of the show to worry about as well. But that's that's not in my business. Right. Uh, and we're talking about something that uh, it's maybe one of the more recent things that they've talked about in the world of wrestling. It's from 10 years ago. It was a Patreon requested thing. And uh, I was talking about the Chikara shutdown angle. Right. And, uh, and uh, you know what? I'm going to give a spoiler um, publicly for the show, okay? Okay. So whenever they put out the post for Between the Sheets, whenever the episode goes live, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the post and the show is accompanied by th- four images, because all you could put up on Twitter is four images. One is the rundown with timestamps, Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the other three are images of stuff that happened in that particular week because they'll watch stuff and they're like, oh, that's a show image. That's a show image. That's a show image. Oh, that's a funny moment. That's an iconic moment. That's 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 whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the Chikara shutdown angle. One of the co-hosts, Chris, not a Chikara guy whatsoever. OK, mm-hmm. uh, to say that he hates Chikara would be an understatement. Right. So we're talking about the stuff. We get to the bit where the fans get thrown out of the building. Uh, they talk about the fan who broke the window. And the other co-host, Bix, pulls up a very famous image of that moment, right? Mm-hmm. You you know the image that I'm talking about, right? The broken door window? Right. And the person standing behind that window. And his mocha mocha skin. <laughs> so Bix pulls up that image. And Chris just starts cracking up. He goes, oh, that's a show image. <laughs> yeah. So literally, as we're recording the show, I text the person in that picture mm-hmm. who's a listener of the show. Right. And I say, guess who's the show image this week? <laughs> I mean, it was a no-brainer, you know? <laughs> Even I know that that's a famous photo. It's Man. like that picture and Kennedy getting shot. You know? <laughs> so... So Bix pulls up an image, and then when Chris says, oh, that's the show image, I go, hang on, let me send you a higher quality version of that. (laughs) Because, of course, I have that on my phone. Why wouldn't I? Right. I hope you mentioned on the show how that whole gimmick storyline almost tore our show asunder when I found out you lied to me. Because Um, you signed a contract. So that's the thing. You have to listen to the show to find out. 
Right. So. Uh, and I mean, you, the listeners of this show, not Todd. Todd doesn't oh, listen I'm to podcasts. Listening. I'll get the cliff notes from Adam. <laughs> right. Uh, so other things that you can check out in the show notes, of course, is check out uh, friends of ours and the stuff that they're doing all around the uh, Internet. Uh, go check out Mike Sterling's blog at ProgressiveRuin.com. Go check out our friend Kevin Hellion's blog at MaskLibrary.com. Uh, go check out Rick Williams' The Chop Shop at FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter did get over $8,000 uh, mm-hmm. for his backing of Indiegogo. Um, tons of stretch goals have been unlocked. I think you can still purchase it through there, uh, the way he had set things up. Um, it is scheduled to be shipping by the end of the summer. So, you know, Jason well exceeded his goal. Um, I, under normal circumstances, would say that was definitely due in part to us. We just happened to be the first one. Jason was out there beating feet, getting everywhere and anywhere that he could, uh, getting the word out, and he worked hard to get that, um, you know, taken care of. And one can only hope that the success on this, he keeps and retains uh, all, if not more, of those folks that came on for issue one, for when he does issues two and three, and so on and so forth. Right. Um, you could also go check out Chris Runt's FortressOfComicsNews.com, a little bit different of a podcast than what we do here on the side of comics. And you can go pick up a copy of his self-published comic book, Battle Monsters, there. You can go check out our friend Davey of the band Cave People's self-published comic, Keeper, at KeeperComic.BigCartel.com. And if you do not have a comic book shop in your area, or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop, Comics on the Green. We have their Facebook page linked up here. That's where Dave and the crew let you know when the new books are in, whether it be Tuesday or Wednesday books, because that's how things ship. Oh, you know, as I think of this, does that mean image books are going to be out on Tuesdays now, too? Could be. Hmm. Interesting. Um, write down a whole bunch of questions. Interview them. You know. I listen. I'll have my uh, recorder on me. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So when final order cutoff dates are up for some of the hotter books, when newer stuff gets released, he lets you know about it. Uh, sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get books mailed to you weekly, biweekly, or monthly. And if you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky. And you can go check out her art, her commission, her process over at her social media, which is all linked up in the show notes as well. Yes. All of that out of the way. Let's get into what we read from this past week. Todd, where would you like to begin? Um, I'd like to start with the book uh, we were both looking forward to most, which was Nightwing 104, written by Tom Taylor, art by Travis Moore. Um, last we left our intrepid hero, um, Neron was trying to make a deal with them to get uh, young Olivia's soul, who's the daughter, he's Nightwing's watching her, the young uh, daughter of Blockbuster, because a deal that they had, He Neron wants his soul. So Neron gives Nightwing powers and says, hey, you got these powers, superpowers, for two hours. Go do with them what you will. No strings attached. We'll discuss when the time runs out. So, you know, Nightwing goes, helps, you know. Uh, all around helps the fight, you know, on Amazon uh, Island with uh, Olivia goes off and decides to talk to various heroes like with this power, what can I do? And he takes on, you know, a couple of jobs and then goes talk to the big honcho uh, Superman because he's like, you know, 
I'm like you and right now and explains the situation. And Superman basically gives him the talk and wants to show him something. And once again, Tom Taylor, as much as I love him writing Nightwing, um, he has one of the most perfect Superman like uh, down. So they, they have a cool talk. And then in the end, he ends up like, okay, my, my power's running out. I'm going to keep uh, Olivia away from Neron. And him and Neron end up having a showdown. And it kind of like, you know, goes the way maybe you wouldn't expect it because of something earlier in one of the issues, which I like, a callback kind of a thing. And um, also there's strife in the underworld because Nero has been losing certain battles lately and people are coming for him. And maybe somebody who's Nightwing's friend might not be what they seem in all that. So, um very interesting. I love the bit, like I said, with Superman. The art looks beautiful. Uh, I like Super Wing, as they're kind of calling him in this. Uh, yeah, this is this is just the greatest issue of what Dick Grayson would do with superpowers in the short time that he has. I feel as though this is something that they probably could have um, milk. Done. Mil- well, okay. I feel as though, and I've read a lot of Nightwing comics, but I feel as though the times that they've done this deal where Dick has superpowers has been done, like, less than five times. I honestly don't ever remember it happening, but go ahead. Right, and I'm I'm just kind of hedging my bets because, like, I haven't read every Nightwing story. And mm-hmm. there's got to be, like, maybe one that I didn't, and there's probably one I'm forgetting of, so if I say less than five, I'm covering my bases, you know? Right. Um, And I feel as though, you know, Tom Taylor doing it here is, you know, doing something that's, like, kind of never been done before or has been done very rarely with uh, Nightwing, Tim, uh, Dick Grayson, you know? Right, right. And obviously, we know Dick's character is not going to be tempted by Neron. Um, but obviously, that's what Neron is trying to do. Um, I love any time we get to see Dick Grayson and Superman doing stuff together. Yep, and especially and, this way, you know? Yeah, especially this way. Especially Clark Kent, Superman. Not a knock on Jonathan Kent or any other Superboys or whatever. But... I as much as Dick Grayson's relationship with Batman defines who he is, I would say Dick Grayson is one of the few characters in the DC universe who is just as equally shaped as Batman as he is by Superman mm-hmm. and doesn't get and Superman doesn't get the credit for how much he is shaped, you know, literally Nightwing's name and look. Right. Um, you know, and so much of his core principles so whenever we get anything like that, and I know Tom Taylor is writing Jonathan Kent, and he's doing great stuff there, but every time something like this pops up, I'm like, oh boy, I wish he was writing a mainline Superman book, you know? Right. I only have one gripe. I, about- I, 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 I have still more, but I have a gripe too, but go ahead. My one gripe is they give somebody their first superhero name, and it's terrible. It's the worst. Well, it's a little kid doing it. Yeah, well, when that little kid magically gets aged because that's what they do in all these books, it's going to sound stupid. I don't like it. They better change that. I don't like when kids do cute things. All right, fair enough. 
What's your gripe and or other stuff? Well, so I wasn't done. I, I love the, um, you know, obviously people, you and I and other folks that listen to the show that are currently rereading Sandman stuff. Mm-hmm. When you get into the DC superhero universe side of their iteration of hell. Yeah. And all the different versions of the devil slash Satan or whatever it is. And then you have the bit in here where Trigon and Neron are at kind of odds with each other. Mm-hmm. And we get the bit where earlier in the issue, there's a comment in regards to Neron's true form. And I haven't read Underworld Unleashed in 20 years. Right. So I don't recall if it was ever revealed there. And I'm like, ooh, that's a little interesting thing. And then we get it paid off, like, right in that issue, you know? Yep, yep. Um, So I I love any time, you know, being a Sandman fan and having the Sandman stuff so fresh in my head to see any of that stuff pop up in the mainline DC universe of just what a mess DC's hell is. Or how great it is, because you have so many choices. You're blessed with choices, Joe. Yes. Um, So my gripe about this is maybe the stupidest gripe of of my entire life. That's setting a high bar, Joe. Okay. I hate, 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 hate. Listen. There's like that meme that people out there, it's like, oh, if somebody has a million haters, I'm one of them. If somebody has one hater, I'm that person. It's not that strong. I hate the cover of this issue. Oh, that meme? <sighs> Todd. I, not only is it that meme, but like, how old is that meme? Can that meme vote? It might be able to, and it would vote for how awesome it is. No. I think it does a dis. I get what they're going for. It's a way in a recognizable visage um, to get all the characters in the Titans on the cover of the book. They've done more creative ways of doing that in previous uh, issues of Nightwing. This, I feel as though, is the lowest of low-hanging fruit that this book has ever done. And this book is better. Do not judge Nightwing by the cover of this book. You know what, Joe? I'm going to say the cover of this book is Justice League International 1 done right. Now, see, I know you're just saying that. Like, you're working yourself into a shoot by saying that. Me, never. Well, here's the thing. I don't, because tomorrow I won't care. You know? So. There you go. Uh, yeah, it's a dumb cover. It's a great cover. And the fact, that it was the, the fact that it was the main cover. Like, this should have been the B cover, you know? Because it's it's uh, Bruno Redondo, and he, and he crushes it. He crushes that picture. Mm-hmm. If you may not like it, but Bruno no. Redondo crushes that. He does, but I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get into the other book that we both read from this past week, which was Green Arrow number two, uh, written by Joshua Williamson with art by Sean Isaski. That's what I go by when All I say. Right. So this is more of Joshua Williams really building up the Arrow family. Right. Mm-hmm. And we get a little bit more of what's going on with Ollie and what's going on with, I forget the, um, the young girl's name who's with him. Right. I, I took notes. I've been trying to take notes on these sort of things, but that's one of the things that I did not have in my notes. Right. I honestly think they don't even really mention her name 
mm-hmm. in this issue, which I think is a bit, you know what I mean? Her code name, at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, we have Roy and we have Black Canary and we have all the other members of the Green Arrow family that are in our DC universe that are trying to find Ollie. And we get a bunch of really cool Ollie survival stuff. Um mm-hmm. You know, things that he learned in his time in the Justice League, things that he picked up from Batman, things that he picked up from Superman, like, you know, the shelter and all the stuff that he just kind of keeps hidden away that just who's a guy with a bow and arrow, you know, Mm kind of like how Nightwing is just a guy who has Batman training and Superman mentorship, how he's able to stay alive amongst like gods and monsters and all that sort of stuff. So I love that aspect of a character like this in the DC universe and obviously the little side pocket universe that they're in, um, you know, maybe a little bit on the nose where they even mentioned it in the book that Ollie's fighting literal fat cats. Yeah. Um, but again, it was a cute little thing. Uh, we get the new villain that shows up who calls Ollie an old man. And of course he takes offense. Um, but we also find out that as Ollie, and the partner are jumping through these different time vortexes. The more and more this happens, and I don't think this is a spoiler, and again, at this point, you know, it is what it is, Um, but Ollie is starting to forget more and more of the family, Mm -hmm. which I think is, like, a big part of why the book, Two Issues In, is so much about the family and the supporting cast, is that juxtaposition now that Ollie is starting to forget them the longer he's away from the main DC universe. Yeah, um, I'm with you, and I do like the fact that they even. I, I love when a writer does little bits about like um, characters who don't. We really don't know why they did certain things, like Arsenal's name, like other than like you know he wants just you know weapons as his name. But like in the first page, he kind of gives the explanation about what the way Roy like buries down his feelings and what happens because of it. And that's, like, his name. And I'm like, okay, I like when they logically give me a reason for something. That's kind of fun. And, like, Diana, uh, or Dinah, like, talking to Roy, the bits with him, about how she's going to help him and everything. I I almost, like I said, I like the family stuff, um, trying to find Ollie even more. Um, But all this stuff of finding out where Ollie is at the time. And his talk and the fight with the new villain, that's all great, too. I honestly think this is a way better second issue than it was a first issue. Yes. It it answers many more questions that you just seem very confused about in the first issue. Right. Now, one more thing that I have to mention, again, not as strong as feelings on the Nightwing cover, okay? Mm -hmm. I understand in Dawn of DC, there's the big push to make Amanda Waller... I guess the de facto DC universe villain, right? Mm-hmm. Making a bigger play and everything. And there's a last page reveal in this issue of green arrow. Okay. And I'll give you this character showing up in one book. I'll give you this character showing up in two books. Now we're at three books. Mm-hmm. Are we going to push this character? And I'm doing my best to tiptoe around this. Is this character going to get over pushed that people are going to turn on his portrayal in the comics? No, you don't. Um, you don't think so? I don't think so because I think the one book is going to keep them all happy, 
and the other ones like oh he's just they're just appearing in these other books you know what I mean like it's going to be small quick appearances and it's going to be forgotten immediately as it's if that makes any sense I don't see the long but I am with you as soon as I got to it. I'm like, they are really, I, how is it that you can say strapping the missile? You know what I mean? Just, I get it. It's they're, they're, they're really, you know, hitting us over the head, but you know, if you like it, I guess, you know, better to strike while the iron's hot than, than wait, you know? So here, here's my only concern, of course. And again, you know, we're, we're, we're reading, you know, we're, if you could read between the lines, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously the portrayal of this character in the book that bears his name, um, is going to be the much more current, the more popular, the more well-known portrayal of this character. Yeah. Like two years. Mm-hmm. If they try to match that portrayal in these other books that he's showing up in, I don't think it's going to fit. And if they try to walk some sort of line in between the way the character used to be and the way the character is now, I think you're going to muddy the waters a little bit. I don't read everything from DC. If he pops up in a fourth book, I'm going to be afraid that they're going to be trying to turn this character into their version of Deadpool. I get you, but I think... That's what the the new first appearance of someone is for, mm-hmm. to get them established and then let them, you know what I mean? Do yeah. like they could do whatever they wanted to that they want to, but they can't with the 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 other character. It's like, oh, here's the here's here's the you know the the the, the copy the clone. Um, do what we kind of can't with the main one. So we'll see we'll see where it goes, but I'll keep my eye out to see if they pop up anywhere else. Cause you know, but I'm a little worried, you know, I'm not, but yeah. Anyway. All right. So, uh, that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books digitally, whether you get them sent to you, whether you're waiting for the trade and they cancel the trade. And now you have to get the hardcover, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. And in the strangest game of Rope-A-Dope, I'm currently in the lead by four correct guesses over Todd. Yep. Okay. And I go first. I'm looking over your huge list. Is the book you're looking forward to most Power Girl special number one with the Fire and Ice backup story? It is not. Oh, is it that uh, Clobber in Time, number three, and Amazing Spider-Man 26, and Punisher 12? We're going to go by your first guess, which was incorrect. Mm-hmm. And the book I'm most looking forward to is coming out as Amazing Spider-Man 26. Right. book that has been spoiled to death. Mm-hmm. Um, has a spoiler cover. Has a spoiler cover. And um, I, as a 46-year-old white man... Um, did not realize and understand the controversy involved with what goes on in a book that isn't even out yet, um, that I have not even read yet. And conversely, I will also say that what happens in this book, um, people have already figured out multiple ways in this character's own book that this could very easily be retconned. So, Mm -hmm. 
again, it'll just be, I, you know, I'm in for a penny, I'm in for a pound, so I got to see how this all wraps up, you know? Yeah, I yeah. take, I get it. Yeah. Uh, looking at your list, I think the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Power Girl Special Number One. No, it's yeah, it's Power Girl Special Number One. Um, as a matter of fact, I even bought the foil cover of this, Joe. Oh, did they whack you an extra nickel on it like they do, um, at Marvel? I don't know. I don't know uh, what the uh, save it like what the the what our retailer gets discounts on it, but it was an $8 book, but I mm. wanted it because it was the cover that had power girl and eh, whatever, but it was a foil cover with both fire and ice. That looked really nice. Oh, um, Oh, fire and ice. And it looked nice. You say, huh? Yeah. I'm a poet. Didn't even know it. I, I will say this. Um, I have been, um, a sucker lately for the, the, the artist on that is David Nakayama. Mm hmm. And he has been doing a lot of the variant covers at DC, uh, the more stylized, the more character focused, the more whatever, um, you know, the two first issues of Green Arrow that came out where it's um, one of the characters with a solid color background. Right. He did those variant covers as well. Okay. Right. So I think I did not realize that was the foil variant, but that is the one that I uh, requested as well. Well, there's a cardstock version, too. Oh, OK. I, might I, have went to for the, I went for the full on I went for the full on uh, foil because they were like, oh, your your co-host is getting it, too. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not, you know, like cheap like that guy over there. Give me the full foil of treatment. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Uh, so, um, okay, I have to update that there. Now, um, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, you can check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, and our current ongoing reread in Todd and Joe Have Issues of Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Now, it's not just the main 75 issues of the main story, it's miniseries, it's short stories. Todd even had us reading stories off the box of a statue from 1991, you know? Right, I'm a completist, Joe. Right, it's a completist, and you are not going to find a more thorough read-through of one of the seminal comic books of the last 35 years. Mm -hmm. And this is where I turn things over to Todd, and I get to chime in every now and then as we start... Uh, with the latest chapter and the latest story arc entitled Brief Lives. Right. Um, and we're starting off on an island, you know, off the sea, and a character named Andros is, you know, climbing up to the temple, and he basically explains, you know, that how it's hidden and kind of nobody would find it, even if they were looking for it, and how he's been doing it, like his ancestors have been doing it, and, you know, his time is... Is, is coming, you know, to an end kind of a deal. But he's he's been honored with this with this thing he has to do. And on the way, he sees a tombstone. And it says Lady Joanna Constantine. And he drops a flower at it. And, you know, we've met this character before. And along the way, he ends up seeing his son-in-law. And he explains, you know, how his son-in-law came to this island and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, I was coming up here and I, you're, I saw your son. Your son. Like, we're supposed to be hidden. Like, nobody's supposed to know where we are kind of a deal. Go beat him kind of a deal. <laughs> and he's like, so treat him like, you know, I, this would have never happened on on my watch kind of a deal. So, and it, and he talks about how 
somebody broke in years ago and it was 30 years before it was returned to us and it's never going to happen again. And we end up finding out that the thing he's guarding is Orpheus's head. And the story he's talking about, obviously, is in the Orpheus, uh, not that when uh, Joanna Constantine had to find him in France kind of a deal. So I like that. They end up talking and he's like, you know, I want to be here. So he'll like move him wherever he wants. And he ends up singing and Andros like sings to the song and he ends up talking about how, you know, he may be old and he has pains and he has, he has whatever, but the song, you know, so magical. It makes him feel young again. Um, and, you know, he gives the, the history of kind of the Citadel kind of like, you know, how it came to be. And, uh, you know, Orpheus has been around so long that he's mistaking Andros for like his father and, uh, you know, and it, how long he knows him. He's like, no, I'm this guy. Um, and he kind of takes him off into the garden kind of a deal. And it cuts to like uh, England somewhere, I would guess, in the rain. There's an so, old woman. Go ahead, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to interject here, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, it's Sandman to this point has been um, kind of this wide net of stories. A -hmm. lot of these characters that are kind of on the web. And you notice how on a web, the further out from the center of the web that you are, the more space there is between the lines of the web, right? Mm -hmm. As we get closer to issue 75 in all of this, and each line of that web is a character or a person or a someone that we've encountered so far in the previous 40 issues that we've read and the special and so forth. But now, as we are here in brief lives, those lines of the web are starting to get closer and closer as we get toward the end, right? Right. You know, the fact that, like, this begins with Joanna Constantine, and we had that story previously with Orpheus's head, and we read this special on how Orpheus came to this point, and we, we were led to assume that this is modern times, um, you know, based on what we see people wearing and time frames that have passed. Like um, the machine gun kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, this is, everything's kind of starting to come together, I guess, would be the best way that I could say. And we've still got another 30 issues plus before we get to the end of this whole storyline. Mm-hmm. And I will only say this, that it's been a long time since I've mentioned it, and this will be the last time that I mentioned it here. The digital version of this um, part stinks. The coloring, and they make changes to the inking, so much so that the characters almost look differently. In the digital version of this, um, Orpheus is almost yellow. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, in the print, like a pale, chalky white, maybe blue, some would say. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the print, uh, version of this is absolutely much better. And that's the last time I'll say it. No, I get you. And as you're talking about the web and stuff and all the characters coming closer, you could say when it comes to this Orpheus story, things are coming to a head. <sighs> you could say that. Yeah. That'll be the last terrible joke I do during Sandman because it's, this deserves respect. Um, 
But like I said, we cut to England somewhere because I could tell by like, you know, the Union Jack and the pictures and stuff like that. There's this old lady begging and she ends up getting some change from this guy and they have an interesting conversation. You know, I like I like even when, you know, it's a throwaway conversation between a beggar and a guy giving her money that it's like we get information about like her life, about how her how her uh, son died in an industrial accident. And I just just fantastic kind of a deal. And how she's like worried about the young kid that's that's you know here with her, and I do like the phrase that she uses is like you know it's okay when you know when it's old because us folks we've had a we've had a few good innings, and I do at least I'm like all right that's pretty cool, and she tells her you know creep out of the rain a little more you'll get wet, and we end up finding out that it's delirium. And they end up having a, a, a talk and, you know, she's talking the way she does, like a lot of stuff doesn't make sense. And and the lady's talking about family and she's like, you know, I don't and she's like, I don't have any parents. She kind of goes off and I like that she brings up uh, it's wet, kind of like the gunky stuff in people's eyes. I wish I could remember what it's called and how that becomes a, a running, not a running gag, but a reoccurring thing through all this. Um, I'm not going to mention it every time, but, you know, it pops up more than a couple, you know? If it's a great storytelling device Mm -hmm. to show how scatterbrained, yet how delirium is trying to focus. Yes, and it's very hard for her. And it's very hard for her, and it may not be on the right thing, but if she can focus on one thing... And mm-hmm. get the answer to that one thing that might help her more than she even realizes. Mm-hmm. And I'll also say this, and obviously this is not the first time this character has shown up, but obviously she is the driving force in this particular story arc that we're going to be reading. So I would be remiss not to mention this here. I typically, and we, you and I have talked about this before, when they do someone's word balloons differently mm-hmm. to get over the way that they talk. Or something about the character. You know, you can go as basic as when Deadpool speaks, he has yellow word balloons. Or when you write in someone's accent and it just doesn't work. You know, Mm -hmm. this works. Oh, um, literally, when you get to all the seven of the endless, they all have distinctive word balloons. And that, I believe the, the letterer's name is Todd Klein. That was his that was his, what he did. It, You know what I mean? And it and it works so well. And especially the colored uh, different colors in deliriums. It makes you just think, you know, not I don't want to say insanity, but you get what I'm saying. But you know what I mean? so you he, like. Uh, you hear her voice in the way it's written. Right. Having never heard her speak, you get the inflection. You get the uncertainty. You get the like emphasis on different words and so forth, just in the way that they're like bigger or bolder in her stuff. And do you get that normally in somebody else's word balloon, just a standard word balloon? Yes. But because the color, the shape, and no two colors are ever the same, and the way that it's wavy even inside the word balloons just adds so much to this character. You know, the best way, there's a chaos to her word balloons. Yes. And that's absolutely fantastic. And in the talking to the old lady, she's talking about her family, and she's like, I had a family. And he's like, but, you know, 
they're gone. And she's like, oh, you you know, you lost your parents. Like, I didn't lose my parents. I lost my brother. It's like, oh, how'd he die? Like, he didn't die. I just lost him. And I kind of, you know, that's kind of a cool thing. And her asking for spare change kind of puts a thought in delirium, delirium's head. And she starts talking about change. And she's going to, you know, go do, do what she's going to do now. And she ends up, you know, she's still talking about the gunk in people's eyes. And she meets this guy, wants to get into a club. He's like, like, look how you look. Because, you know, the look that she has. And he's like, no. And she puts the whammy on him. And he's like, you know, I look properly dressed. And in she goes. And uh, Joe, how do you want to describe the club? Because you get nervous. <laughs> well, um, I would just say... That someone who is a co-host on a show on the mm-hmm. soon-to-be-named network would be very comfortable in a place like this. Let's just say, you know, people who, you know, are leather aficionados. But, uh, and I'll leave it at that. Right. Like, if somebody would go into this place and say, I need something that says, Dad loves leather. <laughs> yes, yes. And she's walking around and she's talking to herself. And... And, you know, and she's like, I, I don't feel very well because her head, brain is all scattered. And she's like, I just want my family back. And then she looks over. She sees this pale woman with black hair in black uh, in black clothes wearing an onk. And this is a great bit. Walks over and says, you know, hey, it's you, you know, death. You know, I, I feel, you know, kind of weird. Let's go back to your place. And the, the girl just goes. Ooh, you're jumping the gun, but why don't we have a drink? I'm Lisa. It's not death. And I want to say that, that in that one panel where she says, I'm Lisa, that is Jill Thompson drawing herself as death. Um, I would say so. You know what I mean? Like putting yourself in the comic and um, it makes me realize that it just, it looks so much like her and she's not death, but it freaks uh, Delirium out. Who, I don't know if we ever brought this up, did you know, Delirium is kind of based on Tori Amos? Yes. Okay, I forgot if we mentioned that. But uh, the uh, look, the look. Right, the look. Not the, you know, not the the, 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 the acting and stuff like that. But I, I always thought that. If I ever see her again, I'm going to ask her if she drew herself as death in that. And she kind of freaks out that she wants her sister. And people are, like, trying to, trying to calm her down. And basically, desire shows up. And she's talking to her is like like come on and this lady comes over to desire and is like you are the most gorgeous person and then desire starts putting her their whammy on this lady and the the story that she said like basically this see that girl over there go over there and then all this is gonna happen and it's beautiful and tragic and everything that you you could see a relationship doing and the way she does it like you're gonna you're gonna get hurt and then after that it will just be a matter of time and she thanks desire and goes off there is such a cruelness and a greatness about desire that's all summed up in that like couple of panels joe well even you get you even get the bit where you know obviously delirium bumps into lisa who looks very much like death mm-hmm. and then when delirium is freaking out saying i want my sister and everyone's like hey man you're harsh on our buzz but we really should help you mm-hmm. and uh desire shows up and one of the patrons at this place says oh yeah and who are you and 
Desire says, well, sometimes I'm her sister. That's a great line. Oh, yeah. such a it's such a such a chilling line knowing who Delirium is and the manipulator uh, that she is and can be. And then obviously the part that you mentioned there where she sends the other patron over to the woman in the red dress, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously uh, very detailed, very um, specific things that are going to happen when they're together. But uh, most importantly, getting things back on track. Um, desire takes delirium to their home, their space. Yeah, uh, yeah, and basically says like, "What's the matter?" And gets into delirium's head. Like, basically, I want him back. I want you know our brother back because he was always kind to me. And I like where desire takes a bit of offense. He's like, "And I'm not, and it's not how I mean." He's like, "Do you do you know where he is?" And he's like, "No." Um, and I don't care. Um, and she starts running through her heads like maybe it's in Destiny's big book. Um, just, and Desire is like, just drop it. Like, let it, let it go. You need to let this go. And I like the bit where Delirium says, you know, it's absolutely funny that it's you telling me to not want something. That's absolutely hysterical. And that's a great line. She says, isn't it funny? And desires like wants none of it kind of a deal and she's like can i borrow your gallery i'm gonna go to somebody else right because delirium says that she lost her gallery or she misplaced it she doesn't know where it is right and if anybody would misplace their gallery joe it would be her yep so she summons delirium and goes to her realm and her realm is the mirror realm uh, with despair, all the, but yes. despair. Yes. Sorry. Despair with all the mirrors and the, 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 the rats, you know, scurrying around and fog or whatever. And, and I just love that despair is getting into this guy's despair sitting in front of a mirror and Joe, you know, getting, I'm not going to go into it, but like, he's thinking about like, he messed up and what he's going to get caught for is bad. And just, as we get what desire's all about and delirium's all about in this book, we also get what despair is all about as he's, she's taking in him and his despair and whether or not he can take care of himself. Right. So he doesn't get in trouble for this. So let me salivating. Let me read from this. Okay. Today he is sitting in their family room, realizing his life is over, wondering if he has the courage physically to end it. He doesn't. Isn't it beautiful? And look at that that picture of despair staring like at the reader. Yes. Oh, it hurts. Um, So they kind of want to talk, you know what I mean? And she's like, oh, it's about our family. What about it? And he's like, and I like that she gets off track every once in a while. And she's like, maybe I should get a pet. You have your rats. Our sister, Death, has her goldfish. And even Dream's got that blackbird. I was like, uh, and Destiny's got his little flappy things. So I like that she's thinking about getting a pet. I hope that works out for her, Joe. Um, and she, he ends up, she ends up talking about like, this is where the bit with the eye pays off. And she's like, it's like the name of the jelly stuff in, in, in your eye. And of course, despair knows. It. It's like v- vitreous humor. And she's like, oh yeah, that's the stuff. It's like, is that what you were here to, to talk to me about? Just that? And he's like, no, I'm mad if, if, if I tell you, you know, you'll, I'll tell you and you'll get mad at me and you'll do the voice kind of a deal. And uh, it's like, 
he doesn't want to be found when she tells him. He's like, let it go, um, kind of a deal, and I won't help you. She's like, well, thanks for not doing the voice. And despair starts tearing herself up with that ring, that that hooked ring that she has. Um, And uh, it just goes. And there's despair sitting in her realm. like, And the shot of all the different, uh, at this point now, you get not just the mirrors, but the things in the mirrors. And some of them are innocuous, but other ones like the little girl with the black eye holding like a fork just looking in the mirror is is soul crushing. You know what I mean? And I kind of put my own little stories on all these. Mm. And I think that's like the brilliance of like, you know, the artist and the writer, you know, I don't know if you do that too, but that's where my mind goes. Sure. I'm sorry. I'm just looking onto the next page. Uh, so now that ends up getting, uh, a flood of memories to despair. And she's, she's thinking back to the 1600s during the plague. Um, and you know, we get a good look at what the plague looks like and people, you know, what's, what's happening to them. They lock them in houses to die. And the bit with the lady and her, and her child who have, who have passed away is a horrible, you know what I mean? Like that's just, god awful and talking about like a guy who gets drunk during all this and gets they think he's dead so they throw him in the pit and he thinks he's in hell because he wakes up buried alive just even when you don't see it the writing paints a picture in your head um and then this is when the moment happens she ends up remembering her brother and she he shows up and he she talks about how you're walking more in this world and you know um and he's like, yeah, your, t- your time is here, but soon that'll be gone, and it'll be my time. She's like, yes, destruction. And that we this is the first we get of his true name, of the Ds, of the, the endless, like death, despair. So the, the long-lost brother is destruction. Um, it was a long walk to get here, Joe. <laughs> it was a very long walk to get here. But, of course, destruction shows up. Uh, mentions about it's very rare that you see despair away from their realm Mm -hmm. Um, and despair is like sometimes reflections are not enough you know and we get like so much in this interplay between destruction and despair that adds so much almost like and obviously no, no fool in despair is a sad character but almost a sympathetic character right when she's with her brother yes Mm hmm the, the the bit, and I, just so you know where I'm at, and she's like, we fulfill our function as they fulfill theirs. You know, people die, people despair, people go mad. That will not change. And you know the looks? We've had the horrific looks from de- uh, despair. But look how she looks at destruction lovingly, and the, the art conveys that so well. Um, and she's like, he, they're talking to him, he's like, till the next time I see your little, your pretty face. His beard was rough against her skin. No one ever kissed despair, save her brother. But when she next saw him, it was in Destiny's Hall 30 years on for the last time. And she ends up like the whole bit where she, a little early on, she stuck the the ring in her eye. So uh, like the jelly, jelly can come out and she's sad. Just, oh my God, just haunting. And at this point, Desire chimes in. It's like, did delirium visit me to go see just to find destruction did she talk to you and i like the fact that desire's like trying to say we have we have to 
She can't do it. She can't get the elder ones involved. I'm in my gallery. I know you're there. And despair will not talk to desire. She legit has despair thinking about missing her brother. Um, fantastic issue to the beginning of the most uplifting storylines in Sandman, Joe. Ugh. Just when you think things can't get more of a bummer, we have mm. the next issue. I'm saying, I don't want to say too much until we get like to get to the end. But as we get to the, I think about the end of this issue, Joe, the hair is rising on my, on my arms. Oh boy. So 42, um, Sandman is on his balcony in the rain, lamenting that she no longer loves me. As we've learned about in the past couple issues, that Morpheus has found a lover. We don't know who it is. Um, and they're talking, and he's like, she no longer loves me. And Lucian comes to him, he's like, she has left the, left the castle, gone, you know, kind of a deal. What do you want me to do with the rooms that we made for her? He's like, erase them. And tell all the people I would appreciate it in the palace staff as they'd be so kind as refrain from mentioning her in the future when in my presence. Um, and Lucian looks worried as he's leaving. You know what I mean? He ends up going and he starts talking to like Nuala, the elf who got left in, you know, the dreaming. He says like, Oh, don't mention pass the word along. And she says, well, so, she gave me something. Can I keep it? He's like, yes, but don't ever let him see it. Um, I'm uh, sure that won't uh, end up being a problem somewhere in the near future, right? No, no. Um, and she's like, oh, he must be sad. And here comes the voice of the everyman, Joe. <laughs> now, I know we had him as a bus driver in a dream, but is this the first full appearance of Mervyn Pumpkinhead? I believe it's the full on where he gets a bunch of lines. Yeah. You know, I think like he said a few words to Lucian before this or something like that. Um, but he's like, you know, uh, she hangs around with a broad for a couple months and then she takes a hike and kind of, you know, he, he, he loses it. He's standing out in the rain. And then the, the line that, you know, that somebody put on Twitter today. In the meantime, everybody gets a, dreams full of extensional angst and wakes up feeling like hell and we all get wet. Um, and she's like, oh, I, I, I feel sorry for him. Um, and, uh, he, he tells him, well, you have to make the, like, make her rooms go away. As a matter of fact, you know what? Let's take the safe bet. Get rid of the wing of the castle that she was in. So there's nothing left around. He's like, oh, I got to do it. And my guys, that sucks. How do, why do you do it? Why, why doesn't he do it? Blink and it could be gone. And I like that Lucian, like that look of just like the close up on his face. Like you go ask him. He's out on the balcony go suggest it and you know in uh timing the thunder goes off and he's like uh i, I i'll take care of it and i'll, I'll like, get i'll get the crew on it now yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and she's like he loved her didn't he? he's like i'm very much afraid that he did um and then he goes out and he's talking to matthew and matthew's like i went to talk to him and he was like a dead balloon he didn't talk to me and then i like that lucian goes over like He's like, is this what happens when a girlfriend goes on? Lucian's like, no, each time was different. And I like from the stories that we got that they all are different in their own way. And it kind of makes um, sense. He's like, when Nada, when it ended and it ended horribly, he's like, it was a 
desert for centuries. And, you know, uh, the first, I remember when the first flower grew and he smiled again. He's like, Calliope, that was different. He's like, they broke up, they went their separate ways. He was more relieved than every, anything. And then Eleonora, who's the one we met in Game of You, he's like, he just threw himself into his work. Um, so we'll kind of see what happens. And we get a bit like how everything's affecting like the various people we see affecting Abel and like all the rain kind of the deal. Um, right. Did you mention that um, Matthew mentions that we're on a week and it's still just been nonstop rain and Morpheus just standing up there in the rain? No, I didn't because okay. I'm trying to, I'm trying yeah, to not do everything. But yeah. we're at a week and he's just standing up there, right? So if we didn't realize that he really had it for this girl, then, you know, that's pretty much it, you know? Yep. And he's like, you know, um, I would have given her anything, um, nothing like anything. And she's like, and at the end, it was just the cold eyes weighing me dispassionately, finding me wanting. And in the end, she told me, but I knew before she told me I was I it was there in her eyes. She had decided she no longer loves me. And he's just that, that beautiful shot of the castle. And then the guards of the gate, like, tell him, like, we've captured somebody. And she claims to be your sister. And that three panel shot of him in the rain with just his feet in the reflection and how he disappears, teleports, whatever you want to call it, to the main gate. That's a beautiful pick. Like, that is fantastic. Um, so we get there and one of the, the, the griffin or whatever has her in his mouth. And she's she loves it. And he's like, put it down. She is my sister. Um, and he, the, they're like, oh my God, I, if I had known, he's like, ah, it was like Disneyland. It's all going to be fine. Um, and this is where I kind of want to get into a little bit. He's like, delirium, what are you doing here? And she basically starts talking to me. He's like, why did you use your gallery? And I didn't want to, and I'm going to read this. Business. If I called and you said no, then that would mean you wouldn't talk to me. And that last time I called you, you you said no, and the time before that, I thought you probably didn't want to talk to me. So I thought if I just turned up, then please don't make me go away. Um, Joe, I always want to think I'm dream or I'm destruction or I'm cool like death. Reading this for the first time in a long, long time, what goes through her head when she called her brother, and it's all those crazy thoughts... You just got a glimpse inside my head when I when I become that babbling idiot that I become. <laughs> I, I feel like like in that sentence, I'm not saying like I'm that crazy that like, oh, I'm, you're going to turn me away. You're going to hate me. But the the way she's thinking, the style, like the sentence and then the next sentence like contradicts. And that's my head. Seventy percent of the time. And just reading this issue made me think that and how much I now love delirium, um, even more. Uh, I, I, I will, I will say, um, you know, obviously a lot of us have that inside of us. Delirium, the character just has no filter when it comes to that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. There's no control to that thought. Um, it's unbridled id, just everything's spilling out all at once. And obviously, you and I, and I'm sure many of our listeners can relate to similar thoughts like that. But it's another thing to let those thoughts out for public consumption. Oh, oh. You know, I don't, but I'm acknowledging that occasionally, and it's not, you know, not a lot. Wink. Um, it's 
but yeah, so I just, I just, I'm, I'm coming around, even though I was already around on delirium. So he invites her to dinner and I like, of course, she's going to get the food that she wants because she's delirium. She wants a little chocolate three inch people filled with raspberry cream and mango juice. And, you know, <laughs> Dream wants that sensible lunch, you know. Um, and she ends up saying the, uh, the talking about family and she just saw despair and desire. And I like that, like dream is just having trouble making small talk with her. Um, well, even, so even further still, so he is having difficulty making small talk with her. Right. Mm-hmm. But he's like, she shows up and she lets out this, like, listen, she lets out like this diarrhea of a thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. And instead of chasing her away, instead of whatever Dream would normally do, he says, are you hungry? Mm-hmm. He wants to make sure that she's okay. And then she even says, don't you want to know why I'm here? And he goes, surely that can wait. Mm-hmm. We are seeing growth in Dream so much more and more, even just in delirium recanting she might not remember where she was or who she was or why she was but she certainly remembers the interactions that she's had with her siblings usually they don't go very well and just of her reaction to this alone is letting us know that this is not how dream normally reacts when she shows up right um, so she's like, you know, eating and playing with the food and like only the way delirium could play with food. And she kind of, you know, does some erotic stuff with the little figures and, um, Sandman, you know, he's formal, Morpheus is formal when he like tells her to stop and she kind of like, no, it's something else. It's, you know, and more <laughs> like now, like you said, Morpheus has changed and he's acquiesced to like, to having the conversation. But there's that moment where he's got the bridge of his nose. Like, there's only so much you can change, Joe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And he's like, this is family business. And he's like, yes, then maybe the gallery is where we should do it. And I like, we kind of get the bit of brief lives named about the raspberry creams laying there together. Um, I always find it fascinating where kind of the titles come from. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so this is when he's starting... To like, you're they go to the gallery. He says, right. "Okay, we, we need to go to the gallery and have the discussion there." And this is where finally he he it, like not in a mean way, but you know it could possibly per- be perceived that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, says that you're starting to try my patience, right? Mm-hmm. She gets upset. He comforts her being upset, and then asks her what's going on. And of course, um. So, you know, and again, she, you know, just like that moment that you read of hers before of kind of just everything spilling out. A lot of this comes out where she recants right to Dream's face of the previous times that she's come and he's been less than to her. And Dream apologizes. Yes. Uh, Says that he's sorry. He says that he's been a little distracted recently. That he wasn't angry with her, and he says, if I have behaved badly as your host, then please accept my apologies. He apologizes twice. Yep, and she's thinking she's he's making fun of her. And he's like, why would I do that? And I like when she does the thing about all that apology. You never apologize to me, you know? And, and, and he goes, she explains it, and he goes, I see. And 
another one of those. It's like kind of talking to delirium, like the aggravation is 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 melting away with him because that look where he tilts his head, he goes, I see. Well, I apologize, and I was not making fun of you. Now, why don't you tell me why you came here? And it's kind of like I like he might do it formally because she's her his family, but I feel like in this moment, Sandman genuinely cares and that's not the Sandman that like would have would have happened. And she basically tells the story like, you know, I was in I want my brother back. Yeah, and like I think we should do something. And I was, you know, talking desire and I thought, and he's like, Oh, it was in Desire's house you had this idea. Sure was. He was like, excuse me for a second. And he goes and he does the whole gallery thing, but he won't go through all the way, which I like. It seems like, you know, because the, the endless kind of has more sway over you depending on whose gallery is in. And he ends up saying, like, is this you? Did you put this idea in her head? And did you mess up my relationship with this person? And Desire's like, was none of me. Um, and they do, like, some gobbledygook where he's like, well, how do I know? And she swears on the whatevers and that takes dream aback which is like okay you're not lying so it must be some oath i like the way they get over that she's not lying because sam is like that's an oath you would never break and that's yeah, the, all- the, the oath of the first circle mm-hmm. yes and, and she goes down through the other ones he's like that's enough and that gets over that that you never do it and i like in the end that she's like also don't blame me you muck that relationship all up on your own. So please get back to your own realm feeling sorry for yourself. Um, and he's like, hmm. They go back and De- Delirium's dreaming of her time as uh, Delight. So this is, I think, maybe the first time we get to see her as Delight. Yes, it is. And she's like talking about like how she was realizing that things were changing and she could feel um, the, the, you know, the, the, the delirium coming on, but it was always the brother that kind of made her feel better. And I like the fact that he always called her Dell and it works for delirium or delight kind of a twofer. Didn't she have a third name in there when we saw them in one of the previous meetings of the family where she wasn't delirium, she wasn't delight. She was something else. I think it was during Orpheus's wedding and they all had their Greek names. Okay, that's what it was. Which okay. is, you know, doesn't count. Um, and he ends up going back, and they talk, and she's like, I've spoken desire. And you know what? Um, I think we're going to, you know, I'm going to help you. And she's like, really? She's like, she doesn't believe it. Like, yeah. She's like, do you know any of his friends? She's like, I wrote down a list. And he's like, I'm impressed. That is a cool moment. It's like, we're going we're gonna to find it. And he's like, what did our sister say? Nothing important. Um, and you know, there's a lot of delirium gobbledygook as it goes on. Um, and he goes to talk to Lucian and he basically lays down the, like, I'm going to go help her. I'm going to leave you, you know, in charge while I'm gone. I'm only, um, you know, uh, you know, a a call away. I want to get out in the world, get my head out of, you know, my, my, he doesn't say, but he wants to go out and be distracted. Um, and I, and I wish to do it. And when will you be back? And he's like, ah, eh, we'll be back when either delirium lose interest in the quest, which she will, or when I lose interest and I'm ready to return or, or when you found your brother, he's like, it won't happen. And he's like, are you sure this is wise? And now I'm reading this. And he's like, well, be a brief diversion, Lucian, nothing more. We'll see a few people 
a few sights. I am but a step away from the dreaming, should you need me. I see no reason to worry. You worry too much, Lucian. I've noticed this before. And after all, this is completely straightforward. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, boy. Oh, what, oh, my, oh my, there's not a hair laying down on my arm, Joe. Oh, whatever. Obviously, this is the second time in 24 hours that I've read this. When I read this again for the first time in a long time uh, before we recorded, chills. Oh, chills. Knowing what's coming. And I mean, we're not spoiling anything for anybody. I don't feel because when you read that line, there's no way you could read that and go, everything's going to be fine. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It's just the, the, it's so ominous. So ominous. Oh, Joe, I don't know if I've said this before. I really like Brief Lives and Sandman overall. <laughs> and we've got so much more to read. I'm so excited. Well, Brief Lives is one of my favorite storylines. Yeah. I think it's in my top. How many storylines are there? Oh, my goodness. Dozens. <laughs> I'm sorry. I won't go off. You know, They're all tied for second. Yep. So... Next week, we got the next two issues in Brief Lives, 43 and 44. Yep, and some of us are, may have already read them, Joe. <laughs> well, you'll have to read them again as a refresher before we record next week. I definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, you can help out the show uh, in a bunch of different ways besides telling people about the show, of course, retweeting stuff when the uh, show post goes live and so forth. Um, also, you can make purchases through our eBay affiliate links. They're all in the show posts for stuff. Um, you know, we get a little bit of a kickback whenever you make a purchase, bid on something, whatever, through eBay. Uh, we have a T Public store where you could purchase a bunch of logos inspired by the main show, After Dark, and so forth. On everything from notebooks to throw pillows and everything in between. Uh, we got shirts and pins and stickers that you could buy directly from me. Uh, I still don't like the way that eBay has stores set up, but uh, if you really want one, just shoot me an email and we'll work something out. Uh, but the most important way that you could support us is by signing up for our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Heroes. You get two bonus shows every month. One is Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog. And our movie show this year, we're doing comic book oddities. Uh, we just did the Halle Berry, uh, Sharon Stone, Catwoman movie. And for June, we are going to be doing the Brigitte Nielsen, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Red Sonja. Yes. Uh, movie. We also have full scans of those previews catalogs that we talk about on previewing the past. And at the $5 level, besides getting all of the podcasts that we mentioned there early, two weeks before everyone else, you also get After Dark two days before everyone else so that you can listen to these shows weekly in the correct listening order. Yes. And I think that's about it. You know, closing yep. out with a plug. We ain't got no movie this week. We ain't got no TV show this week. Um, you know, next week we'll be talking about um, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is the official title of that. And then two weeks after that, we have the Flash movie. Right. Um, and then a week after that, we have the uh, Secret Invasion show on Disney+. Plus. Yep. So things will be uh, picking up as the summer chug and chugs and chugs along. Right. Long shows on those Tuesday nights. Yes, indeed. Um, luckily, I don't have anything going on Wednesday morning to worry about, right? <laughs> right, right. Early. 
Uh, so, hey, uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, this was episode 660 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.